neighborhood Spider-Man. Wealth and fame he ignores. Action is his reward. Look out. Here comes the Spider-Man. Ouch! Did you hurt something, sir? <laughs> this is episode 240 for July 2013. Okay, time for message board questions. JVL 1031 has a question, two questions for everyone. Uh, my first question is, would you guys like to see Marvel regain the rights to make Spider-Man films? I'm asking because between the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon and One More Day, Brand New Day, One Moment in Time, and the Superior Spider-Man, I really don't trust Marvel to handle the character correctly at this point. I'm perfectly fine with letting Sony make his movies because I'm also not clamoring to see Spider-Man pop up in the, in the Avengers. Well, I mean, Joss Whedon is uh, kind of shepherding all the Marvel movies at this point, so if he's got much to do with it, I'd be fine seeing it. <laughs> yeah, I think the anim- Marvel's animation right now has kind of lost its way, but the um, live-action stuff has never been better. I-, I-, I would say that there no superhero franchise in the movies has ever been better than what Marvel is right now. Um, yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't mind it. I don't mind what Sony's doing with Spider-Man either, though, so, you know, I, I'm happy either way. And the and the yeah. things that JV lists, you know, he's Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. The people that make that cartoon wouldn't be making the movie. One More Day, Brand New Day, One Moment in Time Superior, the people that make those comics wouldn't be making the movie. So, I mean, they have just as much of a chance at getting it right as uh, as Sony does. So. I have a hard time seeing how it would be differentiated unless they would, like... Unless they really would use, like, Brand New Day as a template for the movie, which I wouldn't like. Yeah. His other question is, what did you think of The Man of Steel? Ugh. You want let's go, let's go around with grades who's seen it. <laughs> Kev, Kev, what's your grade on Man of Steel? D. Josh? I think I gave it a C. Okay. Chris, have you seen it? Yeah. Uh, I've, I haven't thought about grading it. I, I think B-. minus. JR, did you see it? Yeah, I saw it. I, like Chris, I haven't really thought about grading it either. I just was very, I'm still very mixed, have very mixed feelings about it. I guess I'd have to give it a C plus. Okay, Don? I think I'll give it a C plus too. I overall, overall enjoyed it uh, as flawed as it was. I'd, I'd give it a B. I, I, um, here's spoiler, stop it if you don't haven't seen it or seen the ending. And I'm not a Superman historian. And my basis of my Superman opinion is based on the Chris Reeve movies and various other things of Superman. But uh, I didn't like the ending of him snapping the neck. You know, I did not have nearly as big a problem with that as uh, I had with him letting Jonathan Kent die to protect his own secret. Like, oh no, he'd be angry if I saved his life. I better not. He's not friggin' Peter Parker. He doesn't have to be responsible for Jonathan Kent's death. It was stupid. Oh, That's not sad. Superman. The moment that he says in that in that scene, you know, you're not my father, that's how you know that he's dead, because that's, that's how people <laughs> die in superhero movies. Yeah. When they're, when they're <laughs> I, told that just, they're not the real father, they're going to die in, in, within minutes. Just my opinion of Superman, and, and again, I'm not a historian, but I think Superman would outsmart Zod, like he did in Superman 2. But not in the comics where he, he did kill him. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, evidently he did kill him in the comics. I just think Superman would 
uh, like in Superman two where he switched his powers in the in the fortress, or he would well, outthink that, that the was villain. Screwed up science, like I know it, but it it seems like that he would outthink the villain instead of just snapping the dude's I'd neck. Like at the least he should have not snapped his neck in the direction of the people uh, of the family yeah. that yeah. he was trying to protect because they only lived by the grace of the CGI cutting off. <laughs> I just think that a whole lot of controversy could be avoided if he solved that problem by turning that guy's head less. I think yeah. okay, I, my my basic thought on the film is that like I think that like there are genuine things that like the, the movie really should have done did not do basically develop the characters more. Mm-hmm. I do think that the overwhelming majority of the people who didn't like it, not everybody, but the majority really need to get off the, the Donner movie sticks. It is not 1978 anymore. Whoa. You got to let, let it go. You really okay, did. well, as somebody that doesn't really like the Donner movies, I thought, man, Oh, still my stuck. gosh, seriously? Um, seriously, I love the Donner I movies. I have yet to see a good Superman movie, personally. Damn. All right. There's a deleted scene where... There's a deleted scene where Carly Cooper and Captain Watanabe interview everyone in that station, and they said, <laughs> oh, we didn't... We didn't see Superman break Zod's neck. Then where is it? Spider Nerd. Uh, I hope you're having a good month. The question is, would you be okay with Electro killing Gwen in Amazing Spider-Man 2? Nope. Um, you know, it, would, it depends on how it would play out. If, like, Electro just, like, you know, shot her with a gun, then that would suck. But, like, I mean, <laughs> Gwen Stacy just doesn't have to, like, you know, just die tertiarily. I think it depends on how it would play out. JR, Electro killing Gwen? Does it have to be the Goblin? Uh, I don't know. I mean, again, I'd have to see it. I don't want to automatically say it wouldn't work. Uh, although, hopefully, it'll be somewhere other than the Oscorp power planet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite 90s rap group. That was hours ago. <laughs> Honestly, though, Emma Stone's too good. I don't. I think the second movie is earlier than I want her to be killed off. I think it's kind of a waste if you just do it for Electro. It should be like a Jedi ghost and like you know the hover and the and like flashbacks and stuff for the rest of the film series. It's got to be. A, it's got to be. They'll bring girl. her back as a floating head of guilt. Like we haven't seen <laughs> that done in the movies. And Spider Man, Spider Man has to be a part of the Gwen death. He he just has to be. I don't think he has to be necessary because like really, okay, I, I, the thing about Gwen Stacy's death isn't so much you know, oh I killed her. It's just the fact that she died in general. Well, and I can already see from a mile away the arc they would do in this movie because they, they've they already established with what Jamie Foxx has said that uh, Electro's going to, or Max Dillon's going to feel spurned by Spider-Man. That's kind of the creation of Electro. So if by the end of that Electro ends up killing Gwen Stacy, then it's totally Spider-Man's fault because he created Electro. Gwen is, uh, is like the... the the uh, trilogy of deaths of Spider-Man, is he not? I mean, there's Uncle Ben, there's Captain Stacy, and then Gwen. And he yeah. has to go through those three major deaths to feel responsibility for those deaths. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, go ahead, Bertoni, argue with me on that one. Well, I, I don't think that Captain Stacy needs to be there, because like, I'd say that Uncle Ben and Gwen are the two big deaths. Like, Captain Stacy barely gets mentioned. And, well, uh, he's, he already died uh, in the first one. Well, I mean, the, I, I, well, I, I mean in general, in like the mythos of the comics, when you say the big mm-hmm. trilogy of death, if you're talking about the movie mythology, that's a different story. I thought you meant like in general in the comics. Uh, well, in general, movie and comics. So you don't think uh, Stacy's that big? 
I mean, I, I, I think it's big, but ones. I think that, like, you know, how many times has Spider-Man mentioned the death of Captain Stacy in the last 100 issues? How many times yeah. has he mentioned the death of Gwen or Uncle Ben in the last 100 issues? Well, that's true. He hasn't mentioned those either. Very well, well I, I thought he mentioned them, you know, every now and then. I mean, it, I, I wish Paul Jenkins would have had him mention Uncle Ben more. That was, like, you know, Shut really... <laughs> Zipline. Uh, <laughs> I'm moving on. Uh, could Marvel have gotten away with airing a Spider-Man 2099 cartoon at the same point as Batman Beyond in the 90s if they'd chosen to scrap the idea of Counter-Earth instead? Why on the podcast... Who on the podcast would have wanted to see a 2099 show? I did that with Ultimate... I guess like he said, if they didn't do Spider-Man Unlimited, if they did 2099... Spider-Man Unlimited was just a very quickly produced show to come off of that 90s... Anything cartoon. would have been better than Spider-Man Unlimited. That was just a... That was an abortion of a concept. Spider-Man! Absolutely horrible. Horrible show. Yes, 2099 would have been good, I think. Uh, it has potential. It depends on how it's written. I mean, obviously, there was a couple issues after Peter David left the original series that proved you can really write that badly. But You have to prove like, you know, a, a kid audience that like you can have a Spider-Man show without Peter Parker. Get Peter David this. to write it. Yeah, no doubt. Although, to be fair, Spider-Man 2099 in the comics was a little bit more adult. I mean, he's the guy slapping a bitch, for lack of a better term, in issue one. I love this one is not aimed at Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, finish finish reading the question, but I want to talk first. All right, go ahead. No, no finish, yeah, finish asking the question. Oh, got it. Yeah. This one not aimed at Chris, but we're going to aim it anyway. Would Chris Carnage? Would Chris's appearance? I mean, Carnage's wow. and Spider-Man's movie make the showing rating R, therefore harder to get people to watch it? And why is Carnage? Oh, I got an answer to this too. Picked in mass media as opposed to Venom. On additional note, I'm qu- I've quit watching Ultimate Spider-Man online at Carnage's debut. This show is crap, and I've finally given up. Chris, take this one. <laughs> all, all right, I'm gonna answer to this question, but only for all the listeners except for Zipline. So, 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 so Zipline, Zipline, if you would please press mute for a few seconds. Uh, all right. Yeah. Um, In a PG-13 Batman movie, a guy got a pencil stabbed through his eye socket. I think they can find a way to do carnage. You just have to be creative, and you can still go pretty far with PG-13 these days, and I I think it would be very doable. Well, if I could answer as not Chris, Uh uh, I think the reason carnage is difficult to do in mass media as opposed to Venom is because Venom comes first. So if yep. you're doing a story, yeah. you're more likely to do Venom just because he comes earlier in the story. I've had a friend uh, from from college spend like hours, literal hours, trying to convince me about how how successful a Cars movie would be. And I spent just as much hours trying to say how impossible it would be to market a, an already character to a kids a kids audience, saying, "Oh, this is a, a villain of Spider-Man that you won't see in the movie. It's impossible." <laughs> uh, to ber- to me, Bertoni, or anyone, on top of masturbation, rape, swinger sex in a Spider-Man book, how long until we start talking about bestiality and necrophilia and Sp- superior Spider-Man as well as no the No one other was court? raped. Well, you know what? Did, you, wow. There's a what-if issue. Um, what's, what's <laughs> what if Spider-Man screwed the pooch? No, what? Well, it, it was like Civil War. What if Civil War, back in black or something, where like Peter goes crazy, gets the symbiote again, and then digs up Gwen Stacy's body, and the book ends. Gross. Are you serious? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's always Tigra. You know what? You know. <laughs> you know what? I think it's kind of funny. Um, what? How he he addresses this to B D Bertoni or anyone really? So he's like he's interested in what everybody has to say about necrophilia, <laughs> but but this well, is particularly relevant to your interest, Brad and Josh. Because <laughs> Brad's the sweetest of us all. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Uh, to Jr. Should Spider-Man get a cat <laughs> <laughs> or a pet rock? And could you expand the mythos and the sense of responsibility in some way? Why or why not? This will be good. Oh, Was good he job. drunk when he wrote this? <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> He's lighting up. Spider Spider Man should get a triple. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well because, because he would realize then that if he takes a triple from its natural predator filled environment, where and and puts it in an environment where its multiplicative uh, multiplicative proclivities have no hindrance, he would learn a great lesson in responsibility. There you go. <laughs> da, da, da. Uh, to last question, why does everyone on the panel hate the planet of the symbiotes? Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I've always wanted yeah, to read do. it. No, it's <laughs> that's that's why you don't hate it. You haven't read it. You haven't read it's it. It's a John? very popular origin for Venom. Makes a nice use of the Scarlet Spider and flushes. I mean, flushes. Well, flush too. No, you got, got it right the, the first time. Yeah, found the book to be enjoyable despite Linkara chewing out the book. I don't. Well, okay, I don't know or care who Linkara is. Um, it's a really, really bad miniseries. It's got horrible art, horrible writing. The concept is god awful. Uh, just screw the crap out of that. Final word. The thing about this though is that, like, I, as a kid, I thrived on on Spider-Man, Venom, and Scarlet Spider. So, like, a book with all three of those characters to me gets at my immature part of my brain, and I want to read it. I'm Don, sure. I'm sure. Don, I'm sure it's weapons grade shit, but I would like to read it. Don, you haven't read it yet. You don't know the level of ass that you're talking about. It. It needs to just be wiped from the memory, and we need a good symbiote origin, not this thing. I like to live dangerously. Horrible. Horrible. Disease, location, wishing everyone a good luck. Uh, The whole crew, Daredevil, Captain America, and the Sentry all deducted Spider-Man as Peter Parker. How come Spidey did not deduct the secret identity of any of his heroes, especially Iron Man? Captain America figured out he was Peter Parker. Yeah, I I don't remember Captain America, like, going Sakula Blue. Uh, Captain well, in, America. Captain America did go visit Peter Parker in New Avengers number one. I don't know if I don't know when he found out, but he definitely knew it was Peter Parker all of a sudden, at least. Because he checked his shield file. Oh, boom! And that's, oh, yeah, yeah, nice. and that, that was a big deduction. He went on the shield. <laughs> he went on the Shieldopedia. Okay. The world Shieldopedia. <laughs> <laughs> I think Spider-Man like, is just too busy with his own, like you know. Has Spider-Man ever figured out who somebody is? Well, he was relentless, dickish pursuit of jackpot's identity. Oh yeah, that's he, true. he figured out that Daredevil was Foggy Nelson, and then like, a, <laughs> and, and then a week later said, "Oh, it must have been Matt Murdock." So he he He's stupidly he stupidly wrote Matt Murdock a letter and mailed it to his office for Karen Page and Foggy Nelson to read, saying, "Dear Matt Murdock, I know you're Daredevil, but don't worry, I won't do anything stupid to blow your secret identity, like write a letter to your law partner and your secretary." 
<laughs> Aziz is just doing what Dan Slott is doing and making Peter Parker look like an ass. I mean, like, he's um, really, yeah. he's really, he doesn't fight crime very well. He doesn't deduct secret identities of people. Why do we even need Peter Parker back? Oh, he's a dumb. No, 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 no. Figure out someone's identity. He, he's, he's too busy for that kind of crap. Who, why, why, why would he care who Iron Man is? Yeah. Uh, let's see. What is the point of weakness and the favorite Spider-Man writer of yours and your second or third favorite Spider-Man writer does better? Josh okay, and I talk so about this often. Like, I, 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 I love, uh, you two take this one. I don't, I don't have an answer. I love so Dom will yell at me again. Um, but Paul Jenkins' weakness is sucking Uncle Ben's dick. Well, no, I was going to mention the fact that like, like JMS never actually used the supporting cast a lot. I think that, that, that could have fleshed out his run a bit more. But yeah, yeah, yeah Jenkins and his uh, love for old people. Yeah, I've seen right. the same thing about JMS. I, I love the guy, but he uh, he didn't have a great care for like past continuity, especially where it concerned uh, other characters. Give qualities you like about the lowest ranking of your favorite Spider-Man villain. Who's my least favorite? No, he's asking who your least favorite favorite is. Give qualities about your lowest ranking. Oh, about the lowest your... ranking of your favorite Spidey villains. So if you listed your favorite Spidey villains, the worst of those, what do you like about them? I got no clue. That, 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 that was far as like a, a, a three-step plan. <laughs> Good God, I got forgot to carry the two. Anybody got an answer for that one? Um, no. Uh, who's who's my least favorite favorite? Least favorite favorite. Before we get to we rank them. Yeah, I think my. What is my qualities? Okay, I can't. My, it's too late for me to think this hard. I, I I agree. I can't. I can't answer it. Same here. Uh, what medium made your favorite version of Venom? I think the PS One game made my favorite Venom. Todd McFarlane, David Michelinie, the first appearance was my favorite. Has not gotten better since. A bitch. Yeah, well, where his motivation was, you told everyone that I was a liar in a newspaper story, and it ruined my life when you didn't know me. Well, he thought he Spider-Man so often that Spider-Man saw him in billboards for no reason. <laughs> the the best um, the best version of Venom is the night is actually the '90s animated version of Venom for a couple of reasons. It's the thing that introduced the concept of the black suit. Turn, bringing out people's dark side, and it also gave Eddie Brock an actual backstory that's built up from the first episode, and he actually has a reason to dislike Spider-Man because he did actually directly do something that ruined his career. And so he was that, convoluted. What yeah. what version is that? The nineties yeah, I, I thought Spider-Man Three's Eddie Brock wasn't that no bad. Way. <laughs> Are you kidding Honestly, me? No, I'm not. I, I I liked that he worked for the Bugle, and he was a competing photographer. You just named the '90s show. Yeah, <laughs> it was the everything same thing there, but better. Everything everything that you think is good about Spider-Man Three is originated in the '90s show. All day, every day. You. But I'm he's my lowest ranking Spider-Man favorite villain. That's anyway. Uh, let's see. Okay, and. Um, okay. Merrick Comet... Oh, help me with this Emmy Kamitoramen. Okay, got it. You, you, you met this uh, guy, Brad. Oh, this is the Chicago guy. He's a cool guy. We took a picture together. He wants me to send that to him. Okay, I'll do that. Uh, question to me. I recently switched to use mail-order comics, but saw your other comment on Facebook that said you were switching for, searching for new sponsors. Is there a problem with mail-order comics? If so, I have to switch again to another retailer. No, um... 
no problems with mail order comics. Um, they're still the the people that I use to get my monthly comics, but they've decided to change advertising plans or something. And basically, they want to advertise local, and I reach global, I guess, with everybody downloading the podcast. So they wanted to hire an internal guy to uh, advertise for them. So, uh, yeah, this podcast and the rest of them aren't sponsored by Mail Order Comics. I'm still um, searching for a new sponsor, so if you'd like to be a sponsor and have be listened by several thousand people, send me an email at crawlspacemail at gmail.com. Several thousand people? No, give them our real numbers. Come on, we're better than that. We're like, All right. We're in like the 40,000s or something, or like 10,000. Each each episode de- is downloaded at least what fifteen thousand times. Usually that's more like thirty thousand, isn't it? Yeah, fifteen thousand times. Hold on, times four. That would be well sixty thousand downloads for four episodes a month. So that's, that's a pretty conservative estimate. Okay. Yeah, plus, we, plus um, sometimes the the last month's episode will get more yeah. downloads the next month, and so I think. Uh, you know that's why, it, in the long run, each episode over the course of months, I think, gets a lot more downloads than what you're saying. Right. I'm just doing monthly totals, but yeah, in a year, a lot of people listen to the show. So if you'd like to be an advertiser, feel free to send me an email, and we'll talk. Also, question to the panel members: Aside from Spider-Man titles, what are your favorite comic book covers? Dave McKeon's covers to Sandman. Mm. Good question. That's pretty. Uh, Anybody else? I've really Those I wacky, wish I noticed this question. Oh, wacky uh, Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen covers where like everyone has powers and marries gorillas. I like the one from uh, Batgirl number 25, uh, King, where she, like, she's all beat up. It's the issue where she fights Shiva to the death. And uh, Robin number 10 where you have like, a Tom Grummet draw, Dick Grayson Robin and Tim Drake Robin in the same shot. Hmm. I don't read the book, but it has very unique covers when I see it on the comic stand, the Hawkeye series. Oh, it's so good, Brad. You have to read it. I, I, I regret not picking up the first issue, because I hear nothing but good things out of it. It's so but, uh, good. I was, I was coming out of uh, Fraction's uh, Iron Man run, and I wasn't a fan towards the end of that, so I just did decide I'm not going to pick up yeah, the book. Yeah, I've talked about this, that Fractions can be kind of hot and cold, but this, yeah. this is the Fraction from Immortal Iron Fist. Uh, and mm-hmm. he's even cracking it up on the creativity. So yeah, just dance, cool. I also love that uh, that, that that from Born Again that Daredevil cover where like like the 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 crazy guy in the Daredevil costume is beating him with the thing. It's like saved, I think. Like he keeps smashes Matt Murdock across the face, but like in the issue, Matt Murdock kicks the guy's ass. I, I love that cover. That's a good uh, thing though. Uh, Alex Maleev covers like recently his run of. Um, Daredevil End of Days, the eight-issue miniseries, which was oh, freaking damn. excellent, by the way. But Manly's covers good. to all of those were really good. JR, you got one that's not Spider-Man related that you like? Nothing I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. Oh, I know. Scotty Young's baby variants to everything. Uh, oh, those are good. They are hilarious. Uh, this question was popped up when Mr. Greg Horn wrote one of his favorite covers was that of uh, Uncanny 137. That's a good one by Byrne. They talking about like like the uh, the variant with that Peter Wynn drew. We has a link to. And Brad, when you have spare time, would you send me the photo we took at the Chicago Comic Con? Yes, I will. 
uh, it was cool to meet you because he spotted me a mile away, which was really cool. I was wearing a Spider-Man shirt, and he goes, "You're Brad from the Crawlspace, aren't you?" Get a like, Damn! All right, <laughs> I'm getting recognized at a con. I've been at a con in ten years, and he was the ver- one of the very first people. I, I had a couple of other people come up to me. I thought that was just really an ego trip, if anything. I thought that was great. Uh, Big Al, Edgeware location. Jr., what do you think of Normie Osborne's character in Spider Girl and his character arc in the series overall? Um, I think that uh, I think that Tom DeFalco was wise to have Normie shed the Green Goblin identity and not make him a villain. I think I think it was a logical start, you know, when it was like just what if what if number one fifteen, you know, when he introduced the character of Spider Girl, it made sense to go up against an Osborne goblin and but and after a couple of appearances I think it was a good idea to jettison that uh and go in a completely different direction and have him be a an ally and a supporter of her and then and introduce another goblin character. To anyone who wants it, do you feel Michelinie's run is worse than Slot's run up until oh, now? No. <laughs> no, like, like, like for real. Like, 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 I mean, even if you don't like the Michelinie run, it's not bad at all. Like, like Venom, Carnage. Yeah. I like Michelinie's run a lot, too. Absolutely. And you have that, that gorgeous Backley art. And McFarlane art. Yeah. And Eric Larson art. Yeah, like, those are classic Spider-Man artists. <laughs> the I perfect agree. fool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to anyone who wants it, if there was a six-issue miniseries in the same vein as Spider-Man Blue, except about Mary Jane Blue, that would be bad. What issues or era would it span? Good question. So, Spider-Man Red? Um, or Mary Jane Red. That would be the name of it. Uh, what's the period of Mary Jane's life that's like not very well explained? Like, like pre-marriage, where like, he was fighting the Hobgoblin and dating Felicia? It would be all about the night she slept with Batman before their wedding. <laughs> it's it's like every hour so it'll come out once a year <laughs> how about before she went with uh, Aunt uh, oh, what, uh, Anna Watson yeah but I feel like that's been explored you know we had okay. there's been a few like Mary Jane's origin issues like they did that in Untold Tales they did it in Parallel Lives they did it in the her and Peter go for a walk in the park are you talking about like, like, like when she broke up with him like she went to Florida for like a like, few, few years yeah what did she do when she went to Florida I have no idea Spider-Man Red probably nothing moving on um, refresh me spider historians why did Mary Jane move with Anna Watson her parents got a divorce right she never lived with Anna Watson. That was actually well, she did, but then they reckon that she didn't because throughout the okay. Dicko run and and the early Remita run, Anna Watson's like, oh, I can't wait to go home and tell Mary Jane this. And but it, it was kind of inconsistent. Like Mary Jane's either visiting or Mary Jane's you know living there. The way that Anna Watson talks about her, it's like she's living there. But um, right. when when they eventually did Mary Jane's like origins and parallel lives and Amazing Two Fifty Nine, she lived with her parents. And then like you see during the Ramita run, like right before she meets Peter, she shows up at Aunt Anna's after her mom's funeral with like bags, and she says, "I'll crash here for a night or two. And then like the next page, she already has her own apartment, and she says, "I stay like a week later, I had my own apartment at the Y and this and this. So yeah, she she never really her, stayed there for long. Uh, her parents are divorced though, right? Because they or, they were always fighting. Her mom died. Her mom, yeah, her mom's dead, but the dad abandoned oh, okay. the family. And got her, it, got her, it, got her, it. Her dad was a criminal, and um, 
In that in that Alistair Smythe story I was talking about before, he gets arrested and he came back in the default yeah. on and like they agreed to reconcile and be father and daughter again. So the next logical thing to happen was for him to never be seen or mentioned again. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't been seen since what, eighty, eighty seven, eighty eight? What? <laughs> not, not in the clone saga. Clone Saga, okay, good, good. Well, right before Mary uh, Jane got uh, pregnant, they like they had a big hug. You're going to be Grandpa, and we'll never see you again. Uh, to anyone, all of its flaws, do 90s Spider-Man comics, or 90s comics in general, deserve all the hate they get? Can a decade with the Spider-Man the Lost Years, Batman the Long Halloween, and the death of Superman really be all that bad? Josh and I were talking the other night, I think it was last night actually, about like, like as kids, you know, this this is indicative, like you know, just because we were kids in our age group, but how much we enjoyed Spider-Man in the '90s, like you know, like like in between the Clone Saga and the reboot, and just, I mean, I think I'm of the opinion that like DC was flawless in the '90s because like all their, especially the Bat books, were really really good. But like even Spider-Man, even if you don't like the Clone Saga and Maximum Carnage and all the other stuff. They're still really like you have MASM four hundred. You have like sensational with Dezago. You know you have the Howard Mackey Peter Parker run. There's like really excellent stories there that people just choose to forget because it's it's easy to say the nineties comics sucked. Yeah, it's not just there. I mean, over at DC, even besides those big franchises, we're talking about the long uh, Ron Mars Green Lantern run with Kyle Rayner, which is you know, some of my favorite stuff of all time. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of kind of big enthralling, interesting stories going on in the 90s. And a lot of them, yeah, they ran so long that there was some shit in there. Um, which, like, the Clone Saga, for instance. But a lot of them ran so long, there was also gold in there. And I think... Sounds almost, Kevin, like an anthology title. Uh-oh. Oh, there's there's some out. good, there's some bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. I wasn't buying every title. Um, <laughs> you on Flash, you have Ron Mars, it's like any other decade. Yeah, there was bad stuff, and there was really good stuff. I think you can say that of any decade, and it mostly depends on, I guess, what you were specifically reading in that decade. You know, if the stuff you liked was really good, then it was a really good decade. Otherwise, no. Well, it also depends on when you started reading. I started reading Spider-Man late 70s, early 80s, and that is my golden age of Spider-Man. And the 90s just was, in my opinion, just a step down from the quality. Of that, and Jr., you you agree? I, I think you have in the past when I've said this. Uh, yeah, mo- I mean, I uh, I felt most of the '90s was subpar, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, specifically, Spider-Man related is what. Well, we're yeah, about. yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, to anyone, uh, isn't it kind of unfair of Peter to withhold his identity from Aunt May post one more day, considering he knows for a fact that she could handle the knowledge? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's an asshole for not telling Aunt May, and every day that passes that he continues to lie to her makes him look like more of a jackass. Bertone, wow. are there any other characters? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it's just beat up on Peter Parker podcast. Uh, yeah, Bertone, wow. He's like, there... <laughs> is it bad that he did that? Yes, it's bad, and he's the worst person ever, and we ate yeah. him. And we're moving on. <laughs> Bertoni, are there any other characters outside of comic books who, like Betty Brant, are horrible but don't get called out on their actions? Peter Go Parker. Ahead. Oh, wait, that was Bertoni's question. <laughs> Peter Parker. <laughs> <laughs> um, Diane Chambers from Cheers. Uh, oh, man, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to yeah. get into her whole history. Just like this one arc is the perfect example where um, – her ex-boyfriend, uh, who's the main character of the show, Ted Dancing, proposes to her. She says, yep. oh, I'd love to... 
to marry you, but I don't like them, and you, like, do a more romantic one. So he takes her out on a boat for a proposal, yep. and then she says no, and then he's like, are you kidding me? She's like, oh, yeah, I, I think that you're asking me on the rebound. So, and then at the end of the day, like, she changes her mind and says, okay, I'll marry you. He says, no, I've changed my mind. I don't want to, you know, you're too crazy. This isn't happening, and you need to leave my bar. She says, no, I'm going to continue the work here, and I'm going to ask you to propose to me again every single day. And for, like, half the season, she's sabotaging his dates, follows him up to these romantic weekends with other girls to drive the other girls away. (laughs) And then, like, says, you're going to propose again. And then finally she breaks down crying. You're never going to propose to me again. Why, why, why me? And he's like, oh, don't feel bad. Okay, will you marry me? And then she says no. (laughs) (laughs) Sam Malone eyes. I know. Yeah, his eyes. It's like, it's worth it for the scene. So he chases her out of the bar. She trips and falls and, like, pretends that she got all these injuries, gets him arrested, says that he tried to kill her, and, like, (laughs) and then orders the judge and says, this man assaulted me. Okay, actually, he didn't assault me. Actually, I lied. Actually, I just did this whole trial to get his attention. Judge, can you order him to propose to me or send him to jail? And he says, why, certainly. And then, (laughs) so, yes. (laughs) It's Diane Chambers is evil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not even getting into what she did to Frazier. That would take a whole podcast. Oh, gosh. Oh, uh, Spider Mon, four posts. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. I'm a stand-up comic, and I'm on the road a bit. And these podcasts really help kill the time on the long trips. It's awesome. Excellent. Uh, we have a stand-up comic. We must be funny. Hmm. Anyway. He feels all our material. Uh, Maybe, yeah, he, maybe, he, maybe he relaxes by listening to unfunny people. <laughs> <laughs> he takes notes about what not to do. Now, if he now if he has a skit in his uh, stand-up act about Diane Chambers, no, Bertoni's got a case. Uh, everyone, a good portion of Spider-Man's. You gotta hyphenate Spider-Man. Come on, all right. <laughs> a, a good portion of Spider-Man's rogues have, in one form or another, become heroes. Phil Yurick is Green Goblin. Flash is Venom. Ock is Spidey. If he had to choose a villain from his rogues gallery to become a hero, which would it be? Question. Chris, we haven't heard from you in a while. Let me hear. Who, who would make a good villain turned into Spider-Man? Um, a good villain turned into Spider-Man, or a good villain turned into a hero? Oh, okay. That, <laughs> yeah, that's that's his hero. question. I'm sorry. <laughs> This is this is hard enough for Chris. All right, let's. uh, (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. If if this is this is hard for me because uh, you know I I predicted and wanted it to be Ock and I got my wish. So now I I I have to think of a second choice now because you're asking me and I guess I I see it's not fair because I already got my wish. So you have to ask someone else. You're you're all gonna look at me like I'm high right now. But I'm totally serious with this screwball. Oh God! <laughs> no, and and here's the reason why. Like as a villain, she wasn't like Carnage or someone who was like sucking people's blood or you know like kidnapping babies. So it it would be an easy turn. And second of all, it, it could be like you know one of those modern heroes where like in the movie Kickass, she's just an internet you know fame person. She just wants attention online. So she's trying to brand herself as you know rebrand herself as the live-streaming, you know, parkour superhero girl. So she, she's a little morally ambiguous. She's on it for the website. It's, it's a very 2013 superhero story, and uh, I, I think it could work. I, I'm being what completely about, serious. What about Mysterio? He, he, he helped uh, Silver Sable and Spider-Man recently. He kind of turned into a hero in the, in the 90s show before he committed suicide. Yeah. <laughs> or, 
that however, was my film career up in flames. However, yeah, he went to the Ultimate Universe and jacked that all up. So anyway, uh, Jr. There used to be a time when Norman was on the level of ben, Uncle Ben and Gwen Stacy as quote characters that should never be brought back from the dead. Looking back on everything that's happened with the character since his resurrection, do you think it was a good idea to bring back Norman? Well, you haven't listened to very many of these podcasts, then. I've always thought it was a good idea to bring back Norman. Um, but as far as uh, the, uh, the the thing with the Gwen, being on the level of Uncle Ben and Gwen Stacy, uh, for a while that was true because of the way that, uh, I mean, just it, it was kind of fitting that Gwen and Norman died at the same time, but... You know, it would have made sense if Spider-Man had been canceled, like at issue 150 or something, or if comics had really ended like Jerry Conway and and others thought they were going to. But as you, the years went on, Spider-Man was without his greatest foe, uh, yeah. so it just made less and less. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot. It's a controversial thing. There are still people who believe Norman shouldn't have come back, but you know, again, Norman's a supervillain. Supervillains come back. Real people shouldn't. Uh, so that's, good, it's, it's good, not good even point. on the same level. So. Good point. Uh, Brad, can you explain your love of Stegron for me? That, that's George. George likes Stegron. I, I think he's kind of a, a knockoff of Lizard. The dinosaur man. He's the dinosaur villain. And to, he stand has for, to stand in for George since he's not here to say it. He's a dinosaur man, Brad. Enough said. You need to throw <laughs> in a reference cool to Spider. He's, he, he's cool because only non-cool people, people don't like Stegron. Wait, actually, I've got a better uh, George Barrowman for you. He's a dinosaur man, son. <laughs> you need to throw in a reference to Spider-Man beating the X-Men. I just, I just, an ass cut. An I just, <laughs> I just checked with God, and he said Stegron's awesome. There you go, Hayasubi. I, I hope I got your name Ooh. right. It's his very first post, so I appreciate that. I always like to get some new blood on the message board questions. To Don, Uh-oh. he loves you, Don. He's got two of them aimed your way. As an anime manga fan, have you ever read the manga series Ultimo, written by Stan Lee, and art by George Takai? No, wait a minute. Hiroyuki Takai. Props to Brad if you can pronounce this. I epically failed. Worked on the second time. I have... I'm not sure if I even heard about that, so the answer is no. Sorry. Okay. To Don, have you ever watched the new DBZ movie with the Siam God form? And I can't take lantern questions. Come on. <laughs> I know. This is my last episode. Um, I've not seen the movie, although I did. And I said this in the latest episode. I really see the Super Saiyan God form, and I was really disappointed in how lazy of a design that was. Unfortunately, to everyone, it's frequently said that Spider-Man has one of the best rogues gallery in comics, but I'm unable to see how. When other than Ock, Norman, Harry, Roddy, most of the other villains have had frequently great stories and cap uh, character development, etc. I assume he meant to write most of the villains don't have frequently great stories, because <laughs> otherwise the question doesn't make sense. Uh, uh, <laughs> Rhino has had some good ones. Chameleon used to, until they like, kind of brought him back to life. Chameleon has a great Paul Jenkins with Mary Jane beating him with a bat. Morbius well, had wait. a great series in the 90s, but no more. Um, who else? Shock- has Shocker ever had a good story? Uh, well, I mean, he, he had a great character until he was raped by Superior Foes number one. <laughs> I mean, you've also got like uh, shorter things like Sin Eater. Sin Eater was great, but Peter David has has Electro ever had an epic story? The second uh, Sin Eater story was yeah, a good Electro story. story. The Jackal was pretty cool in the in the seventies. Craven yeah. had Grim Hunt and uh, oh, Craven. Craven. How do how do we forget it? Gr- Grim. Uh, Last Hunt. The 
The Last Hunt by J.M.D. Mateus is one of the best Spider-Man stories of all time. Yeah, Last Hunt's what I meant. Last Hunt and Grim Hunt was actually really good, too, especially among yep. the B&D era. I thought it was one of the best stories. I, I concur. Uh, Lockdown, Mr. Ryan Reed, our buddy that posts reviews on the front page, video style. Uh, BD, what went into the building process of your comic book room? I'm hoping to get mine up and going in the next year or two, now that the Mrs. I are finally in our own house. Um, the key to it is having a place where you can shut a door. <laughs> Line it with every bit of comic stuff you have. I've got long boxes everywhere. I've got Spider-Man posters on the wall, etc. You just need a room to yourself that you can display the stuff. Otherwise, it's going to be in bins and storage units and stuff like that. So, and I, I think I've, I saw uh, you've got like the basement area in one of your uh, reviews on the front page that you put up. So turn that basement, if your wife will let you, <laughs> into a little comic room. Just start small and just start building it as you get more stuff. Put it on the shelf, put it around the room, and you'll soon have your own spider uh, basement or shrine, etc., kind of like I do. JR, what stories from Spider-Man in the 90s did you enjoy? Two of my favorite is Todd DeZago and Mike Ringo's Swarm two-parter. Really? Kevin, you, Kevin, you love Swarm, the Nazi... Nazi skeleton covered in bees! <laughs> hell yeah, hell? two-parter. Two-parter with Ben Riley and Tom DeFalco and Steve Scrooge. I did not like Steve Scrooge, the night before X-Man. You got any 90s that stick out, Jerry? Like? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the, obviously, I liked uh, the end of Revelations, where Norman comes back, mm, and then J.M. DeMatteis did some very good things with uh, Norman... Uh, in the mid to late in the late nineties, uh, of course, I mean then everything turned to shit again when they decided to go to uh, reboot everything. But uh, oh, there, there was some good stuff there. Uh, what did Jim What did JMD write with Norman Osborn? I don't, I don't think I've ever read that. Well, um, he started out with um, uh, he brought Norman back as part owner of the Daily Bugle. And oh, right. Norman, and then Norman came like in number two fifty. The uh, I, it's a story I really liked. It was called Citizen Osborn, where Norman reintroduces himself into the world, uh, and it just uh, it's just kind of really creepy, you know. Norman ingratiating himself to everybody, and uh, Spy Peter just smoldering to the point where he can't take it anymore, and he goes and he just beats the crap out of Norman, um, and then just Norman's various machinations uh, during during that time. So. I I thought that was a fairly good run. And really, Howard Mackey, you know, as you guys said earlier, mm-hmm. Howard Mackey's Peter Parker Spider-Man run was not that bad. It was you really know, good. It was a with, decent with story. I mean, still, John Romita's Jr. on art. Exactly, exactly. He, yeah. he, had, a, he had a good... Um, I think he had a good crime noir feeling, a crime noir or whatever. I mean, he, I, th- I think he, he did a fairly good job. It was just he never should have accepted the... What the re- when they rebooted the titles, he sh- that was a disaster. He should never have accepted that job. I mean, who's going to turn down Amazing Spider-Man, though? Yeah, I know, but he's I know, but it, not only did he wind up doing the one title, he wound up doing both of them. He wound up doing both of them badly. I mean, it just uh, <laughs> burned himself out really quickly. That's a good yeah, he did, and and he he had admitted that he was already burned out on Spider-Man. So mm-hmm. you know. Kevin, why do you think Cullen Bunn's Fearless Defender series is such an enjoyable read, yet Venom is only so-so each month? It always amazes me that a writer can turn out one great book and then one so-so book or bad book just a week or two later. What do you think? Why do you think that is? Sometimes a writer, even a good writer, just doesn't connect with a certain character or concept. Um, I haven't read Cullen Bunn's Fearless Defenders. I don't know if it's any good. 
I'm just taking your word there. I haven't read anything else by Colin Bunn. I hear uh, the sixth gun is great. I, I've heard that many times. Um, I, <laughs> in reading Venom, there's a lot of just bad writing that makes me that that would surprise me if he does well elsewhere. I'll put it that way. Um, but if he does, yeah, that's happened before. Sometimes, I mean, a every 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 writer all the way to William Shakespeare has crap in them and that crap is going to come out at some point. It's just going to happen. Um, yeah. But also, yeah, there's just sometimes that a writer is just not right for a certain uh, book, just like sometimes an artist is just not right for a certain book, and maybe that's Bun with Venom. Like, I have I was talking to Brad before. I love um, almost everything Jason Aaron is doing right now. I absolutely love uh, Wolverine yep. and the X-Men. I think it's a fantastic book. I really love his take on Thor. His Thor God of Thunder is wonderful, but I really, really don't like the Thanos Rising miniseries at all. Um, and same writer. It just, for me at least, just doesn't click there. It just happens. Aaron is a very good example of, of does stuff very, very good and every now and then has something wrong. The Hulk book that Jason Aaron did, I just hated it. Yeah, I didn't I enjoy that either. I tried that one. Hated well, it, and I didn't like it. His Thor is out of the park. It's so amazing. It's so I, I think l- he's just he's such a good fit for Thor, and he's doing it so well. And he's doing this kind of crazy Wolverine and the X Men book that I feel like yep. could have gone wrong so easily, but he's got yep. just the right thing going on with it, and it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Cullen Bunn, I think I, I don't read Fearless Defenders either. But uh, his fearless book with uh, oh the the Asgardian gal on the horse. What's her name? Uh, Valkyrie, who's also in fearless Valkyrie. Defenders. Yeah, she she that that many after uh, the uh, God. I'm, I'm it's one thirty in the morning. I can't think. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, hammers, the book. The book. Uh, bun- big bunch of hammers. See see see. She's still dating Flash Thompson. They haven't they haven't addressed that in a long time. It was, I mean, not a, siege. Not, it was not, the it was the one with Thor. It was everybody gets fear a hammer. Itself. Fear, fear itself. itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good book. Uh, I thought some of uh, Bun's Wolverine was solid. Uh, he's he's written some other things. Again, his Venom, at least for me, is hit and miss a little bit. And I've Kevin, mostly heard Kevin just about, really can't stand it. I've mostly heard good things about his other series. Um, I just have not read them, and I. Frankly, what I've seen on Venom just does not lead me to pick up any of his other books. I'm sorry. To say. And, he, and he's a nice guy. I've interviewed him in person. It's, yeah, he looks like it. It's like that's why I, I really hate saying things you, that I know are insulting. It just gets to a point when I <laughs> when I've been reading this thing for so long and I, I, I hate it so much that it's and it's difficult. And he reminds me a lot of Kevin, which is ironic since <laughs> Kevin doesn't like his Venom book. But he got his start by working in a comic shop. As we, as I did that interview with him uh, this year, and he he's a fanboy that uh, broke into the industry, which is hopefully when we're doing this podcast in 2018, I can talk about Kevin's Morbius book. Yeah, and I hope it's clear, you know, to, yeah. to listeners when I when I talk about this stuff that I don't dislike the guy. I don't know the guy. I don't know anything right. about the guy, and I do not judge him as a person based on his writing. I really, really don't like his Venom book. I don't know the guy, so I make no statements about him. Chris, if you could do a what-if Spider-Man story, what would you like to see a different take on? Uh, what if Spider-Man got the printing plate that was used to make the tablet? <laughs> um, no, 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 no. I'll give a real, I'll give a real <laughs> that answer. That was easy. But, 
what if you paid Kevin's student loans? Yeah, no, you, you <laughs> yeah. should see my student loans. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got a lawyer over here. So. Yeah. Um, the uh, This is going to be a really cliche answer, and I'm sorry, but what if Sp- Spider-Man said no to Mephisto? And I, and I feel like if Marvel did that story, it would end with everyone dying and everything being horrible, even though that doesn't <laughs> make sense, because if, you know, you sit... Mephisto obviously wants things to go worse, so you know. But so, uh, uh, but basically, I would like to see where that story that they built from Civil War and Back in Black would go forward. Just taking it to its logical conclusion as like an ongoing series, I think that's what I would want to see. Don, since you love doing your various podcasts, what would you love to do for a future one? I do love doing my various podcasts. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm not really like looking to start. Uh, you're on. You're on the Batman show, you're on this one, Clone Saga Chronicles, what, anything else am I missing? Well, I mean, I do my own show with Jesse uh, on DBZ, which is like really, like that's that's really it. Like, I've kind of weaseled my way through four Spider-Man podcasts, and I'm on, <laughs> I'm on a Batman show. Like, that's, those are really like my only like media passions. I'm not, I mean, um, the only thing I can, I can imagine is like if, if uh, Stella and I started a show on like, like from Min-Main to Macross, a Robotech podcast or something, but like, we did that special on her show, so that kind of got, got, that on my system so like there's not really anything that like I mean I like you know I like drawing I like writing but like there's no real other character or franchise besides Spider-Man Batman and DBZ that'll be interesting like you know talking about for months and months so uh, we're all th- just waiting until you guys start your 90s Spider-Man animated show podcast it's coming it, it is coming <laughs> from, 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 from you know season 1 to season 5 of our Circle Jerk podcast oh wow <laughs> with on that note, JR's got to go. JR, I appreciate you staying in line. It's one thirty-seven in Missouri. It's three a.m. where you are. Two thirty. Two thirty. I'm going to bed. I'm an old man, so <laughs> enjoy it. Enjoy it, guys, and I'll uh, join up again with you next month. All right. Good Thanks, night, JR. Thank you. Good, Good night. All right, Bertoni. What Spider-Man cast members do you believe needs to show up in Superior? I personally miss Robbie and Liz Allen. Liz Allen, man, come, haven't seen her. Come since. on, guys. How long you know me? Betty <laughs> Brandt. I was, I was going to say Shashan, but Shashan did appear though in like what it was the second issue. Um, oh, oh, that was the sound of okay. Uh, Liz Allen, though, like when he said that, that that like. That would be interesting. The only thing is, like, what place does she have in these modern stories? I would see her at all. We'd never see well, her. Well, it's she. No. She's in such a weird place because, you know, a- after Harry died, she was the whole like single mom running the company. It was like a bad like '90s sitcom. You know, you could see like Calissa Flockhart not doing like the Liz Allen show. Where, like, I'm a, oh. I have to run a multi-million dollar company and raise a toddler. <laughs> And my husband's dead. But then, like, you know, but then Norman came back. So, you know, there was, like, this interesting dynamic there where, you know, she's, what's her place in the company? What's her place with the Osborne family? Then after the unmasking, she sold Peter out. And then she basically became, like, the white trash ex-wife in Brand New Day. Like, oh, where's my child support? I really hated that. Wait, refresh me. What did she do to Peter when he unmasked? She betrayed him to, um, the... It wasn't, the, it wasn't the Sinister Six, but they were. It was Jack Lynn. It was. I don't remember the strand. Oh yeah, like, and she, they they had Normie threatened, but um, they didn't have to twist her arm too much. She like she went along with it. She hated Peter, and when Peter like showed up, like she said, "This is all your fault. All the death that's happened to us." Like you know, mm. and 
And when Peter found out that Liz sold him out, he was mad at her. He said, you might want to leave before the cops come, Liz. They might confuse you with a villain. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, to, to interject on the question a little bit, uh, has, is it just me or has Black Cat not met Superior Spider-Man yet? No, she's not. How has no, that not, not happened? She's not um, appeared since, like, uh, was it was Slot's first story? You know, I could so get some tail. Uh, I think, you know, among, uh, hopefully not among the women that, you know, Dan Slott portrays as really stupid. I mean, she should be figuring this out if she actually works with him at all, shouldn't she? Well, Dr. Octopus and Black Cat have a history, too, because he had her hostage in, like, his underwater lair, and then he... Um, oh, yeah. He, then he ripped his, his arms off, yeah. Yeah, he, he yeah she injured him. I mean, he injured her, and... So yeah. there's a history there. That that would be nice, but it's... The thing about I, it, though, is that, like... I need uh, a break from Felicia with what the current, like, regime has done with her. True. I guess <laughs> I'm always just thinking about, like, you know, what would this be like if it was good? <laughs> Not what actually <laughs> would uh, can't figure it out, then, like, I, I, I can't see Black Cat figuring it out. Because, like, Slot's gone out of his way to make Mary Jane so stupid that, like, I can't see, like, Black Cat legitimately looking at the obvious clues and her taking, you know, taking a hint and not Mary Jane. Yeah, the, the problem is that anybody that should figure it out, you know, Mary Jane is the top of that list, so you can't just look at any character and say they should know. Because, well, the big one already doesn't, so you know they're going to write it so they don't figure it out. Right. Well, at the, at the same time, um, I used to be along the line of thinking that we need to bring these supporting characters back, but then as I've grown older as a reader, Slot made a point when someone asked him about why he wrote Michelle Gonzalez off. And it's one of the more clever things that Slot's ever said. And he said that he had to write her off because it's... They're, these characters, they have to organically fit into Peter's current world. And to keep Michelle Gonzalez on when she's no longer his roommate and she's not his co-worker and they're not dating, every time she shows up, you have to create a reason for her to show up. And you don't have time to do that when you're crafting stories. You know, these people have to organically fit into the world. And Peter's no longer working at the Bugle um, that I've seen in forever. And... I mean, so it, I'd love to, as much as I'd love to see Liz again. What is she gonna do if she shows back up? I miss Robbie too. We haven't had a good Robbie story since the '90s. Although I am thrilled Tombstone. that Kane is going to meet um, this Spider-Man. Although since it's side titles, I'm quite sure not. It's not going to be as explosive as I would like it to be. Yeah. Uh, B. Taylor, twelve of Fairbanks, Alaska, his very first post. And he says he's been listening to the podcast for a couple months and really enjoying it, so I appreciate that. Uh, with Spider-Man 2099 reappearing in Superior, what do you guys think of the possibility of the Parker memories being imprinted on Miguel? My reasoning for this, it sets up a way for Peter to come back without being cloned or the death of Otto. Plus, if I remember correctly, Spock did not destroy the Parker memories in the Golden Akbok personally, but what ha but had the living brain do it. I can just see Miguel making only a two-issue appearance, especially with his recent appearances in games. Edge of time, he returned to the past to save Peter in the recent re-release of his first ten issues in trade paperbacks. Keep up the good work. his personality, though? Yes, yeah, Miguel? I, we like Spider-Man 2099 because he's Spider-Man 2099. Not because he's Peter Parker. Yeah. And I, and I want Peter Parker to come back as Peter Parker. Not as Miguel O'Hara. Exactly. Okay. Uh, Spider Spider. Three posts. Fairly new poster. Another new one. We're getting some new blood. Uh, all of you, did any of you play football in high school or any other sport? I was in the band. 
<laughs> I I played uh, 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 soccer and basketball in junior high, and I, I tried out for basketball in high school, and I sucked. And I was a band student for the the rest of the high school. I played jazz band and marching band. What'd you play? What'd you play? Uh, trumpet. Tenor sax here. Barry sax oh. and jazz band. The boys uh, I played Claudius and Hamlet. My school did not have a football team or any sports team whatsoever. Are you kidding me? It didn't have a, a football team? We did not have a sports team. Oh, that's... I went, Chris, to, I went to private school. Oh, okay. <laughs> Chris, did you play any sports? No, I, I played the trumpet in the band. We could awesome. have a little trio going on here. I could play sax and what and trumpet. And what did you play, Don? I played trumpet as well. Trumpet, I, I, trumpets in the sax. I memorized how to play like the Spider-Man theme from Marvel vs. Capcom on my trumpet. Oh my god, that's I, hilarious! I played guitar in a rock band in high school. If oh, Bertoni, do you play an instrument? <laughs> I play the radio. All right, <laughs> you could play our hits. <laughs> I think she was a drum major, so she got to conduct us. What What would the name of our band be? The Crawl Spacers. Yeah, or the or all right. It would be like called that. Dick Move. It's like a very <laughs> very punk rock name. Coming to the stage now, dick moves. And we, all right, way, way uh, less pornographic than we sound. Yes, all of you again. Who do you think was the best Spider-Man besides Peter, Miguel O'Hara, or Ben Riley, or whoever? Miles Morales. I, feel, uh, I, I do like Ben Riley better though, but d- give Miles time. Yeah, give Miles time. Yeah, I agree. It's between Ben and Miles. Yep. Uh, all of you, one more time. <laughs> what is your favorite Spider-Man costume? I know Don's answer for this. What is it, it's, Brad? You, it's the Bagley Spider-Man uh, uh, Ben Riley costume. You like that bear in the the Ditko, don't you? Uh, did did Bagley just design that? I don't think I never knew that. Yeah, he did. I think so. I don't know. I mean, I I, there's, I I have nothing but love for the Ditko design costume, but I do adore Ben Riley's costume a bit better. Yeah. I like the black Anybody suit. else? I like I like the Flash Thompson variant of the black Spider-Man costume. I think it looks badass. The which one? What'd the Flash Thompson's Venom suit. The like the Commando one. I'm going with 2099. Yeah, that's a good Day one. Day of the Dead costume. My my favorite's the black costume. I agree. Uh, and he also says, "I love all of you." All right, we love we you. Love too. you more. I love, I love you more <laughs> than you love me. <laughs> Another first time poster. Woof. Adam Parker. So this is a question for the whole panel. If one more day and brand new day had not happened, but the Superior Spider-Man storyline still happened, how do you think it would have been handled with MJ as his wife? Would she have been able to figure it out, or would it still require her, her saying toodles? Yeah. <laughs> a slot right it? <laughs> yeah, I think you could. Pro- it would probably just be the same story with more lawyers. Um. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be more talk of rape, wouldn't there? The, the, oh. the Superior Spider-Man that that relies on Mary Jane just like not knowing because and, the, and her not knowing relies on her being written as an idiot. It does. It, there's no other alternative. I, I, agree I defended that. Mary Jane not knowing um, on a podcast a few months ago, but the way I defended it was saying like they've been apart for such a long amount of time. If they're married, a lot of my explanation for why she isn't suspecting goes out the window. And that um, was weak to begin with, let's face it. Uh, I, I disagree, but... <laughs> We've already had this argument. I'm just pulling your strings. Yes. Wow. 
Uh, BD, I've had heard several mentions of animosity between your site and uh, and you what? in particular. Oh. And Dan Slot. Oh God, this question. Uh, but I can't find out any info about information about it. Can you elaborate what happened? To someone who's only been listening to the past four months. Ugh. Can I just interject? Uh, I don't yeah. think we want to perpetuate the uh, animosity, so it's not really in our best interests to recap it and bring it all up again. I mean, if you want to find it, it's all out there. But it's it's not really something that we need to perpetuate. I agree with Kevin. Because then at that point it becomes a he said, she said, and then it be, it gets into like a back and forth, and it yeah, let's... <laughs> Let, let's just move forward. We we agree to disagree with Dan. At least I do with Dan Slot. Um, there's a great, there's a few great Dan Slot interviews. If you listen to our back catalog, though, um, all of one. Well, no, 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 no. There was there was the pre brand oh, yeah. day. There's the pre brand day. I think it went two episodes. Bertoni interviewed him in um, 2010, which was after yeah. most of the stuff with like uh, Crawl Space and him had gone down. So he was still good natured to enough to talk to us then, and my favorite part of the interview is, um, he accidentally spoiled that Flash Thompson was going to be the new Venom, and, like, yeah, and, and, and changed the subject immediately. <laughs> you could hear, like, the wheels turning when you listen to that one. Uh, well, should I, uh, No. Uh, should I move no. on? Yeah, yeah, move okay. Uh, alright, alright, alright. Uh, Horn a sec. Doesn't it. Got it. I got it, right? Did I get it? Yeah, if you say Hornacek. it as one word. There you go. Hornacek. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. He's appearing and quoting us right now. Uh, Bedford, uh, NS, Can- Can- Kansas, Canada. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, DBD, since my first question last month was about the likely return of Peter, let's go to the other extreme. Hypothetically, big old word, what if uh, Superior continues indefinitely and Peter does not return? Eh, he's going to come back. Come on. But hypothetically, it won't happen. But what if Sp- Superior goes to issue 100 and beyond with no sign of Peter's return? How long would you continue reviewing the title until you finally said, enough, this isn't Spider-Man, we'll review the title once Peter Parker comes back? That's a lot of hypotheticals. I know the podcast and the website will outlive the current regime with Ava running the site. <laughs> yes. Even without a book with Peter, but at what point does Superior stop being the main title and become a satellite book? Oh, that's that's a legit question. I don't know. I, I mean, that's a lot of hypotheticals. I think it's no secret that he's coming back. Dan Slott is. I mean, he can't do that. I mean, there would be a, there would be a Clone Saga outrage. And and people would write in like, all right, this is enough. The story's gone on long enough. The Clone Saga went on too long, and the fans wrote in, and the sales started dropping. So something had to change. So I think uh, it won't be 2018, and Dan Slott's still writing Ock as Peter Parker. So I, I, I think the the newness and the, the change of Ock being Spider-Man is still not worn off yet. We still have more stories to tell, but I think by issue 100 will definitely be done. Even if I think, I think we aren't going to get past issue 30 where Peter comes back. I think Peter will be back by issue 30. I can't see this lasting more than more than like two years at the. I, this cannot last past the second movie coming out. Do you, what? What issue do you think of Superior turns into Amazing? Issue 30. Am I, you think I'm on target? What do you think? 50, because they're going to do like an anniversary number. 
Yeah, and I think when you're calling uh, issue numbers, you have to remember that we're talking about at least two issues a month. So okay. we're, we're currently well, we're at on 12, 12. So 30 would only be uh, roughly nine more months. Yeah, And I, I think I the think fact we got... that we're launching the Peter Parker Spider-Man satellite title that seems specifically meant to dump old Peter Parker stories and means that they're not actually planning to bring back Peter within at least the next you know, several months. I think we've got another year, if that. Yeah, I'll give you, you, guys, I'll right. give you that. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're starting all these superior titles, like superior team-ups, superior foes, so, I mean, it's it's not going anywhere in the immediate future. Uh, to everyone, a non-Spidey question related to last month's discussion of superheroes that kill an Uncanny Avengers 9 Cap yells at Wolverine when he finds out that he killed Warren Worthington, a child apocalypse, and kicks him off the team. Cap, allowing Wolverine membership was a mistake. So my question is, when did Cap get amnesia and forget that Wolverine kills people? <laughs> Wolverine has been an Avenger for years, and he's been killing people in his own book and all that time, and it's been established in minus one issues and miniseries that they've known each other since World War II, and Cap has always known that Wolverine kills. This seems very out of character for Cap, or did Wolverine promise Cap not to kill anyone when he was, since he's on the Avengers? You need to be asking a writer this. Yeah. They feel like they need some sort of like just false conflict to have Wolverine not being an Avenger anymore. Except he will be. I mean, he still is in five other books. I, I think Wolverine can survive without being in the Avengers. I mean, Wolverine doesn't scream a character who's on the Avengers. I, I mean, unless you're in the Bendis era. It's got nothing to do with Wolverine surviving. Wolverine isn't on the Avengers for Wolverine's benefit. Wolverine's on the Avengers for the Avengers sales benefit. Right. And with Hickman's Avengers, I, Wolverine hasn't done Jack, has he? Uh, I don't think he has. Around, but I mean, there's so oh. many Avengers. Spider-Man hasn't done Jack on Hickman's Avengers. I, 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 I figured out why Cap did it. Why? Who's in the Who's in the Josh Whedon movie? <laughs> well, this was Uncanny <laughs> Avengers, isn't it? Which has right. screw all to do with the Josh Whedon lineup. So that. Ends of the Earth had Dick all to do with the Josh Whedon lineup, and they still did that. Well, he said that he wants his Wolverine to fight uh, Iron Man, so maybe they set that up. Well, I, again, this is an uncanny Avengers number nine. Wolverine is not going to be off the Avengers in any other title. He's going to be back on the uncanny Avengers in probably a couple issues. I, it, I don't think really that's serious. You are done with the uncanny Avengers. I will see you at the next new Avengers meeting. You are done with the uncanny Avengers. <laughs> Well, they're going to replace um, Wolverine with Star Fox. Uh, also, uh, I don't we're know if anyone's Starfire for a second. <laughs> also, I don't know if anybody's reading Uncanny Avengers. I am. It's, uh, it's so so. Anybody else reading Uncanny Avengers? I dropped it first. That that series lost me with the imagery of Onslaught with Red Skull's head next to uh, Professor Xavier with just the top of his head yeah. scalped off, and I'm like, just my senses are being bombarded with too much ridiculous at once for me to keep going. They did what? Yeah, uh, Red Skull is, has uh, lobotomized uh, Professor X's brain. Yeah. Anyway, I, I thought it was worth reading that in issue nine there are three pages <laughs> where they are training in a danger room and the villains are Doc Ock, Venom, and Green Goblin. It was very weird to see the Avengers fighting non-Avengers or non-X-Men villains in a training exercise, and no one ever says, "Hey, why the hell are we fighting Spider-Man's bad guys?" They're cool villains. I don't know. I mean, in a, in a universe where uh, if two of those three guys were like Thunderbolts and Dark Avengers, it's probably good for them to know yeah. how to fight them. 
Yeah, that's true. Scarlet Spider, uh, location Macro City. Brad, throw logic out the window. Okay, done. Uh, but if Ben Riley does return, will the impact? Will that impact the theory that 2099 will get the superior title and Peter will relaunch in Amazing? Yes. Ben, I think you have to throw logic out the window to even like believe that <laughs> that 2099 will get the superior title in the first place. Uh, Miguel <laughs> is getting uh, getting Superior Spider-Man's title. Enough said. Uh, ben Riley, I think in Scarlet Spider is going to be a dream sequence. I really do. Do you, Kevin? What do you think? Uh, I don't know about dream sequence, but he's definitely not coming back for real. It's yeah. it's something. It's a, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's it's Kane going to the past. It's Kane hallucinating. It's it's something. It's not Ben Riley coming back to life. I say Ben does come back to life. Do you think enough time has passed for him to be able to handle not only a solo book, but possibly the main book in the event Peter does not come back when we think he and Ben will become... No, that's too... That's relying too much on 20-year-old collectors. Yeah, well, I mean, that, it's, it's like I mean, me and Don uh, would love it. Well, and Josh, and probably Chris. <laughs> but, yeah. but all you the guys point is, me. it would be... Even if I was running Marvel right now, I wouldn't do that. Because the last exactly. time you gave Ben Riley the main Spider-Man book, as Spider-Man, it really epically, famously did not work. Right. Super upset. It, it, so, what's the distinction between that idea and relying on 20-year-old readers for the um, Kane book that there actually exists? Because That's Kane true. didn't get the main Spider-Man book. Uh. Right. Ben could get a book, but he's not getting the, the main Spider-Man book. The argument, again, his point is, the 2099 relies on the 20 years of past the the history that we love that book from the 90s. No, it doesn't, because 2099's been reintroduced in very popular video games. In video games. I, I Yeah, I, I give you that. Uh, to everyone, a secret Marvel movie has been announced set for 2016, and no one knows what the hell it is, though character chances are it's Daredevil. Those are not it the is? chances. Those are not the chances, sir. <laughs> However, what character would you like to star in a possible new standalone film? If it's not Daredevil, it's not Daredevil. I would love My, um, for, for it to be a movie that they... Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were done. I was just reading, reading the rest of it, but go ahead. Um, what my hope is is that it's a movie that they announce it and they announce the title and that way and then they announce the actors and actresses. They, they say who they're playing. <laughs> yep. Just well, I, mean, I think that the information that this question doesn't have is, okay, first they announced one movie, then they announced two more. At this point, they've announced three movies with dates without titles. They're all Marvel Phase 3 movies, which means we're talking about stuff like Captain America 3, Thor 3, uh, Guardians Avengers. of the Galaxy 2, you know, all that stuff between Avengers 2 and Avengers 3. And yeah, okay. they've talked about they're probably going to do a Doctor Strange movie, so that might be in there. Um, maybe, Black Panther. maybe Black Panther movie. Do we know for a fact that like Thor and Captain America are getting three movies? Well, I mean, they're signed for deals. They're making money. Iron Man got three movies. I don't see why not. Okay, I'm just, yeah. just wondering. I agree. They, they'll make the decision after twos come out. But I, I think mean, they, at this point they know uh, that these main couple of characters from the Avengers are their bread and butter, and they need they yeah. need a couple of those movies, and they can do one or two new movies. They can do because you know in this phase we've got. Uh, we had Iron Man 3, we've got Captain America 2, Thor 2, and then Guardians of the Galaxy is the one new movie. Next and phase, I, we're not going to have an Iron Man movie because Downey Jr. is done with those, but we can have Cap 3, we can have Thor 3. If Guardians does well, maybe we can have Guardians 2, and then maybe Doctor Strange. You know, just, just slot that I, guy in there a little bit at a time. I so think Iron Man 4 
is is on the table after Avengers three because it made a billion dollars. They're going to recast it, trying to make it a James Bond franchise. With uh, I don't think there'll be much time after Iron Man Avengers three comes out. Yeah, just, that they're going to attempt an Iron Man four or a reboot of Iron Man. I think they're just going to hold on to the Downey Jr. Iron Man as long as they can, which for now means only three movies. Avengers 2 and 3, yeah. Uh, what is your favorite... To everyone, what is your favorite moment between Daredevil and Spidey? Sin Eater is one of my favorites. Me too. You know, um, um, Kevin Smith's run where, like, at the very end, after the whole Mysterio mm-hmm. thing and Karen Page's yeah. funeral, like, like Spider-Man talks about Gwen Stacy, and he, I think he even mentions Ben Riley at one point. They're kind of just talking about life and death. Sin Eaters, I mean, that's just a great, great... They, the, their, their history changed a bit with the knowing of the identities there. And it's, it became a Human Torch Spider-Man uh, team-up that uh, is just epic in his friends. I mean, uh, in the Marvel Universe. Yep. Daredevil and Human Torch are two of Spidey's big, closest associates, I think. And that Senator story just sealed the deal for Daredevil being up there. Uh, let's see. Uh, page two. We're moving on to page hey. two. <laughs> I thought we were done. All right. page oh, my two God. Twelve. No. Okay. Page two. We're... For- I, I'm I'm the one in the earliest time zone, and it's midnight. I'm just noting that. It's 2 a.m. in Missouri. And I got work uh, in the morning. <laughs> T.S. Champ, Walter, Jackson, Mississippi, everyone, what's your life theme song? Okay. Um, Don, you got it. Go ahead. All right, because I, I like this. Every time, every time, ever since I first heard it, I thought it, this worked well for me. Phasers by King Ghidorah off the album, Take Me to Your Leader. Phasers, F-A-Z-E-R-S, Phasers. Never heard that. Anybody else got an answer? I don't have one, uh, I guess. I would have to go with a piece of poetry from Buck Cherry called Crazy Bitch. <laughs> it's the story of my life. You were crazy, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like uh, I love it when you call me Big Papa. <laughs> B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A, no info for the D-E-A. Mad because I'm flagrant. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, wave your hands in the air. All right, D- Dagon. I think I'm getting that right. First post again, a new one Newbie. from South Africa. Oh no, he's a South African in Scotland. I'm sorry, I thought you were in Scot- South Africa. Uh, been listening, catching up with the podcast for about a year now, and although I might not always agree with your opinions, it doesn't stop me from enjoying the show. That's a very nice compliment. Thank you. I like that. So keep it up. Cue the line, BD. That's what she said. Keep it up. Yep. Uh, Don Bertoni, when and what issue did Peter become the spider? But, that's uh, that's long saga. Right that's after his trivia parents, question. Yeah, right after his parents died and like right around the time that Ben Riley first showed up, he kind of went crazy, went after the chameleon and um, found out that Harry Osborn was behind him, but Harry was dead. So he like went in a web cocoon and, like, came out and renounced Peter Parker, called himself the Spider. And in the first arc of the Clone Saga, which was uh, power and responsibility, like, it was still going on. He was still, like, you know, yeah. oh, Peter, Peter Parker's dead, Peter Parker. And so Mary Jane leaves him, like, you know, and that's when she goes and makes up with her father, who's never seen again. And, like... I'm, think- I'm thinking Amazing 390-ish, is that right around there? The, the cover is an homage to um, um, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 50, Except it's reversed. It's like uh, Spider-Man yep. walking away that's from Peter Parker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. I remember that. Yeah. That's a Bagley cover. Yeah. It's in the Epic Clone Saga trade volume one. Well, I'm off a bit. It's not 390. Let's see here. I'm close. I think. Here I'm going to our friends at SamRuby.com. It's after 385. 
I'm guessing. Okay, three three eighty eight. The parents died, so it's after that. Uh, I'm going quickly through it. Yep, three ninety two, August of nineteen ninety four. Uh, that is a reverse of the Romita famous. 50 cover, and on the cover it says, In the aftermath of tragedy, Peter Parker, no more. And it's and the signature says, Mark Bagley after Jazzy Johnny on the cover. Jazzy. Jazzy. Hey. Written by James Demetrius and Mark Bagley. Great, great uh, cover. Oh, uh, so pick that up out of your local uh, back issue bin. Mr. Metz has a question. How do you introduce a new reader to Spider-Man? When so many of the best Spider-Man stories are parts of a larger creative run, and the status quo varies consistently in between, should new readers try starting with the best stories from all the different eras, or should they stick to stories from one period or creative team at first? There may be some questions about the backstory, but it it will be much easier to follow transition issues by issue than trying to figure out why Mysterio isn't dead or how Peter became friends with Flash Thompson. What worked for you guys? Okay, um, his point about new readers being confused about why Mysterio isn't dead or Peter's friends with Flash Thompson, I hear that problem brought up a lot by either comic fans or non-comic fans and stuff, and I think that that strongly underestimates potential readers. Um, When we first started reading comics and there was no Wikipedia, if we got up to an issue where, like, it was something was different than what we saw on the Spider-Man TV show. We didn't throw the book against our wall, hide under our mom and dad's bed crying, and never touch another comic. And I think that, like, lots of... I hear this brought up, like, people are afraid that, you know, what if a reader, a new reader encounters continuity? They're going to be scared and not read comics. And, you know, when people start watching a TV show that they've never seen before, like Scandal yeah. or The Big Bang Theory or something, they, they learn it as they go along. Or if a reader's reading a comic book, they decide to get into Spider-Man, and they see that Mysterio's dead, and he was alive before, or vice versa, they'll probably take out their smartphone and look up Mysterio on Wikipedia, or assume that there was a story in between where the thing changed. Um, the whole start from the beginning thing, I think that that's way too daunting for like new readers to say, I want to get into Spider-Man. Okay, well, if you want to understand Spider-Man, you must read 600 issues. I, I think that instead of all these encouraging reboots and trying to pretend that continuity is not there, just let people hit the ground running and they'll learn it as they go along. That That's what we all did. you got to give readers like credit yeah. that they're not going to run under their beds and cry when this stuff comes up. They have Wikipedia, they have message boards, or they'll fill in the blanks with their mind and learn it as they go. Yeah, yeah I, I got... Example is I, my, I had only had the 90s cartoon as background, and my first Spider-Man comics were the Revelations arc that ended the Clone Saga. Ended the Clone Saga. And I was fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I got I got a Spider-Man through the 90s during the like like during the middle of the clone saga and I wasn't scared of fact in fact like another example like to this day like I was telling Josh the other day like like around 2010 I got into Doctor Who which is a 50 50 year old franchise and I knew there was stuff I had I missed but like I just it was just excited me to either learn more about it or just read up, read up on it like I, I wasn't intimidated you also I think need an issue, a current issue that's out that engages you with the character that that draws you into the character. I think Superior Spider-Man number 12 did not. Well, I mean we're, we're blasé about this one. If somebody's going to read a book where, you know, Daredevil's secret identity is different than what they knew the status quo was, if that's enough to scare them away then, then that new reader did not have what it takes to be a comics fan. Anyway, 
way. So yeah, it's true. Yeah. Good question. I like that one. Uh, Steve Rogers from New York City. We're ending with Steve. Uh, let's see. Don, Josh, have fun at Comic Con. Any new wrinkles or planned? Uh, for this year's coverage. You're going there in a couple weeks, aren't you, fellas? Uh, a week from this upcoming Wednesday. Um, yeah. I have a lot of questions for the Batman panel, especially Gail Simone. If she'll be there. I don't know if she's going to be there. Anything Spider-Man related? That, that Amazing Spider-Man 2 has a panel there. I hope you guys can get oh, to that. Oh, does it really? No, that's, yeah, it does. That's Hall H. We're not making it into Hall H. Um, Slot's <laughs> not going to be there for the third time. That's the only Spider-Man related thing you there. What are you talking about? There's. A, I just looked at the schedule. There's like two other Spider panels. There's yeah, a, spider, a Spider panel where, where they probably will refuse to talk about Spider-Man again. And yeah. I know that I know that uh, Dan Slot's not going to be there again. Conway you know, has a panel where he's going to talk about the death of Gwen Stacy. Ooh, that'll be. Are you good. serious? Yeah. Dude, well, here's, here's, I mean, I was telling Stella like, like the other day, like you know, I've never seen either Ramita at these cons. I don't, I don't know how often they show up, but like, I would love to see them. I, if they're not, that's Ramita Junior is going to be there. He has a panel. Get out of here, dude! For dude, kick-ass. Josh, I, I legit didn't know any of this. For <laughs> kickass, um, I, there's, I just saw like spotlight on John Ramita Junior when I was looking through the schedule. All right, I'm, I want to try my damn an interview. You hear it here. All right, Don, <laughs> do. I'm, I've interviewed him before. He's a hell of a nice guy. Yeah, I remember nice that was guy. back when we all did the interviews with you. That was he was fun to talk to. Awesome guy, awesome guy. Um, let's see. Jr. And who's asleep? Jr. went to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, anybody can have this question. How far bo- below Norman is Ock? Oh, that is. This is really a Jr. question. <laughs> he wants Jr.'s opinion. If you want Jr.'s opinion, no one else will suffice. Go, go wake Jay up. JR Good luck on the. Or better yet, post this question again next month, but earlier. We can always we yeah. can always call him. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That, that that'll go over well. <laughs> what if JR's wife answers the phone? We'll finally get an appearance of her on the show. Oh no no no! <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who's calling you at midnight? You are having an affair. Who is this? We should have. Rat? We should have. <laughs> who does a good female voice? That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> this is Betty Brandt calling for JR. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were having an affair. Anyway, I just broke up JR's happy home. Um, recommendations. Go around the horn, Kevin. Um, Jesus Christ. Uh, go watch Much like to Do About just... Nothing, which I think I recommended the last time, but I'm recommending it again because the only thing I've seen since is Man of Steel, and that sucked. Um, Ouch. Oh. You- you need to read the current arc of Savage Wolverine. It's really freaking fun. Um, you must be reading Hawkeye. Uh, you absolutely must be reading Young Avengers. And anything else, you just, you know, give it a try. Read it. It's comics. Avengers? Uh, Young Avengers still good? Good God, yes. It's it's Gillen and McKelvey. They just, they don't have bad in them when they're together. You you reading uh, Iron Man by Gil? Uh, yeah, weirdest Iron Man story Gillen. I've ever read. I'm still not sure how I feel about it. Me neither. I'm very conflicted. I'm kind of I kind of want a whole comic about uh, Howard Stark's crazy Ocean's Eleven gang, um, but as a <laughs> as an Iron Man story, I'm still absolutely not sure how I feel about this at all. Me neither. And the the origin of before he was born is is odd. Very it's weird. my least favorite Gillian. Uh, how do you say his name? Gillen. It's just G-I-L-L-E-N. Gillen. Um, yeah, I'm very conflicted on it. Yeah, I, I'm waiting until it plays out to really judge it, because I love Gillen, but this is definitely the weirdest excuse for an Iron Man story I've ever read. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Josh, what do you got for recommendations? 
um, an episode of a TV show and a, and a TV show. Um, if anyone watches American Dad, they did an episode called Lost in Space, which was really, really, really good. I've, I've seen it, like, about five times, and the kids from work keep on, like, putting it on, on too. It's um, a very moving episode of American Dad. They wrote off one of the supporting characters, and this is, like, this is like a side episode where it's, like, what happened to this character after they got abducted in space. And it's a really weird recommendation, but it's one of the best episodes of a TV show that I've ever seen. And, um... I started watching on Netflix after Greg um, XB recommended it to me, and my cousin Danny showed me an episode when I went to visit him in oh, New York. No. Oh yeah, well it, it was good um, in the early seasons. I watched eight seasons of Weeds in the past month, which is easy because they're like eight seasons. They're like thirteen episode seasons. Yeah, Jesus. It's the early seasons. It's a really good show, and I like the final seasons. The middle seasons were really dumb. But it's um it's an interesting story about um a woman whose husband dies and she's a suburban mom so to support her family she secretly like uh sells weed and eventually that snowballs into a lot of crazy stuff that happens and her youngest son is voiced by the kid or is played by the kid who voiced Nemo in Finding Nemo and after watching eight seasons sure. of this show you will never watch Finding Nemo the same way again because that kid does <laughs> some really messed up graphic things. It's wow. uh, that that fish is forever ruined for me. <laughs> You're not ordering that fish at the restaurant. All right. Anything else? Uh, no, that's it. Chris, recommendation, sir. Well, if anybody has the chance to go hiking in the mountains, I recommend that. Um, and other than that, I can't be really original, but the best comic I've read in the last month it was Scarlet Spider. So mm-hmm. everybody's got to buy that. Hell yeah! Got gotcha. you, gotcha. Uh, Don. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend uh, Marvel: The Untold Tale again because I've I've since bought it, so I'm actually like, reading it from start to finish, and like uh, and I'm not I'm not finished it yet, but it's still really really good, and it's just like uh, it's just really interesting to see like the insights into like how, you know, when Marvel was successful, how busy they were, and like like how. The, like Stanley and the others thought about the business at the time. It's just really, really interesting, and I, I recommend. I highly recommend if I reads that. Um, since last podcast, it's actually kind of funny because the show actually just ended. But like, it, like on a whim, and because Josh talks about it a lot, I started watching The Office on Netflix. And um, as of today, I've, I've gone through like like all, uh, not all, but like you know, up to season eight. Uh, the very beginning of season eight, so I've watched a lot in the past few weeks, and it's really, really funny. It's it's really funny. It's really well written. Uh, I recognize a lot of Simpsons writers on the show, which which you know, I mean, uh, Greg Daniels who co- who co-created uh, King of the Hill and wrote for the Simpsons, uh, uh, brought the show to, to America, and you can kind of tell it has like that sort of like absurdist wit to it, and it's really, really good. Um, I mean, it's not. I can kind of see it starting starting to decline, but like the style of the show works really well, and the characters are very uh, fun, and you know you, you get into so I I recommend that as well. And um, since I mentioned it last episode, it's since come out. Go to the BatmanUniverse.net and check out the Rank of the Batman special where we rank the Batgirls. Stella's on there, of course. She had to be, and um, it's almost three hours, but it's a lot of fun talking about all the Batgirls throughout Batman's history. Cool. Uh, three movies and a video game. Let's start with the video game first. Deadpool, the video oh, game. Yeah. Freak, freaking epic. Love it. 
to death. It's the funniest video game I've ever played. It, I literally am playing this thing laughing out loud with his, his wit. Uh, at one point, he he smacks Wolverine in the ass, and you get a trophy for it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, he, he tried to motorboat Rogue, and he was dreaming, and he woke up motorboating Cable's breastplate. Uh, then Damn. Cable turned into a uh, taco, talking taco. Uh, at one point, he had a huge level, and he won. If you went, beat the level, uh, you ride a pony with a, a, uni, a unicorn, and uh, it was just—it's it's absolutely hysterical. Uh, it's like a forty-nine-dollar video game. Most games are fifty-nine dollars, but this is well worth the money. And if you have a PS3, if you have an Xbox, go out. It's rated M. There's a lot. He drops the f-bomb a lot. And uh, he's the merc with the mouth, and he is absolutely hysterical. Just a very, very, very funny video game. Uh, I've seen three movies. I liked all of them. Uh, Man of Steel. Kevin hates it. I'd recommend it. Go see it. If you're, uh, I'd give it a B. Uh, World War Z. I saw. I liked it quite a bit. It's a good zombie movie. Anybody else seen World War Z? Kev? I don't like zombies. Anybody else seen it? Uh, I don't like zombies. Uh, also, like, I, I, I have a, a friend of mine who like talked about. She read the book and she said that the thing looks really, really against the original novel. So, based on her recommendation, yeah, I don't think. A friend of mine at work says it's, it does nothing. It's, it ventures very far from the original source material. But I've never read the source material. But I liked it a lot. Uh, also, Monsters University. I saw that. Very, very funny movie. I liked it better than Monsters Inc. So, final words, Kevin. Uh, good God, I'm sleepy, and I wish I didn't have to work tomorrow. Josh. I know my trajectories. <laughs> Chris. Bye. Don. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next month. Keep you on reading Spidey, and enjoy whatever else you do. Look at you, waxing poetic again. <laughs> Before we wrap up the show, I wanted to say goodbye to Zach, who's been a friend of the show since episode one. We've uh, decided to part ways on the podcast. We're still friends, however, but I did want him to have a chance to say goodbye to all the listeners. So here's Zach. Greetings, Crawl Spacers. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Zach Joyner. After some thought and deliberation, it is time for me to announce that I am leaving the Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast. I'm not leaving the site itself, but I am leaving the podcast for now. It's a decision that was mutually made by myself and Brad, and it's not an easy decision for me to make. After a lot of thought, I feel it's the best decision to make for the site and for the podcast itself. After five years of being a part of something amazingly incredible, I feel it's it's time for me to take my leave so that way the podcast can grow and continue. The podcast grew and continued when Kevin left and Stella left and George left and Mike left. And those two of those guys are back on in some former capacity. And I'm happy to see them back. And maybe one day that I can come back and visit. But to be honest, the podcast has grown so much that I felt difficult for me to find my niche. And so that's a primary reason that I'm leaving. It's not anything personal. It's just it's just time. I appreciate Brad for giving me the opportunity five years ago to be a part of this site uh, and its podcast. And uh, I, I can I can honestly tell you it's been an amazing five years. There have been so many incredible opportunities that have been opened up because of this podcast. I can't 
thank him enough in this short, brief message. So, first of things first, I am going to go through and, and thank everyone individually. To Chris, you have been a welcome addition to the show. Your insight into Spider-Man and his psyche, your um, being Nostradamus calling that Doc Ock was becoming Spider-Man was spot on, and, and your humor has become a trademark of the show. I'm very excited to see what you're going to be doing in the future. To Don, Don, you are one of the most passionate guys when it comes to comic books in general. Uh, I love your enthusiasm. You bring a you bring a, a, a charm to the show that just has elevated it to another level, and I've always enjoyed your thoughtfulness and your reviews. To Josh, Josh, you and I have uh, been doing this thing for a long time. We've uh, podcasted since '09 together, uh, and it's going to be a little weird seeing you guys uh, doing it without me, but I know that, uh, you, between you and Don, you're covering the Clone Saga pretty well, and your knowledge of history is rivaled pretty much only by JR, so, uh, I'm excited to see where you go, and I'm always excited to hear your Batoni bios. To JR himself. JR, you've been one of the funniest additions to this show. I remember when you first came on in episode four, uh, you are our Captain America, so to speak of the Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast, and, and you've definitely been a incredible addition. Your This Month in Spider history is now legendary. You've had some legendary moments on the show that are numerous, uh, too numerous to, to speak of. So thank you for uh, allowing me to be a part of, of, of what you do every month. And Spidey Kicks Butt lives on in this podcast, and I'm excited to see that. To Kevin. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. So many times we have... Uh, gotten together and we've talked spider-man it's weird not doing that with you because we've done this since episode one and uh you've tolerated a lot of stuff from me you've picked on me a lot you've uh kicked my butt in a in the great spider girl debate and you've uh, been a great friend and i will never forget the things you've done for me so far and i i really look forward to seeing you uh doing your work uh, both on the show and off the show finally to brad Brad, you and I have been uh, acquaintances uh, for better part of 10 years, but really good friends for the last uh, about eight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to be on the show, um, to be a part of something incredible uh, with your unwavering support of Spidey Dude and uh, both the man and the site. You've been incredible as a friend, and I value our friendship, and I value what you bring to the table. Every single month, your professionalism is incredible. And I do uh, want to apologize to um, everyone for my absence in the last uh, last month's podcast. But it is what it is. And thank you, Brad, for giving me this opportunity to, to say my goodbyes and, and give my farewell. You are a, a true gentleman, and I appreciate everything you've done for me on the site. So... I hope to continue to be able to get with you guys soon, and uh, if I don't get to say it before it actually happens, happy 15th anniversary, Brad, and happy 15th, or excuse me, 6th anniversary to the podcast. There is one more person I have to thank, and it's the person that's listening to this very show right now. Without you, without the message board people, without, without the listener, we wouldn't be able to do this. And so I can't express my gratitude enough uh, for you, the listener, and I appreciate everything you've done for me and you'll continue to do for the site. So, with that being said, Faced Forward True Believers, this is your friendly neighborhood clone fan signing off as co-host of the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast officially for the final time. 
Thank you, and God bless.